You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. That's also a fucking lie. There is no Julia this week. No Julia. It is. Uh, episode... Although she probably did something embarrassing at some point. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure she did. Well, she was in Hawaii. I know she did embarrassing shit there, I'm sure. Uh, episode... Not this last week. Episode 283 of the New Utah Podcast, a podcast most of the time all about Utah. Sometimes we talk <laughs> about Hawaii for almost two hours, like last week. But Other stuff. Uh, that's okay. It's uh, it's it's Utah-oriented this week. It's the last week of the month, so it's our historically significant place. Uh, and we have a couple really cool ones for you this week uh, as we uh, come round in the corner to finish out the year with a bang. So No, I can't believe it. There's only two more left, two yeah. more of our... yeah. Utah places for the year. So Halloween's coming up, like the end of this week. This weekend. Uh, and uh, we'll go to Jeremy's house. Halloween falls on a Sunday. I still think that Jeremy is going to end up with a ton of kids at his house on Saturday. It's possible. Possible, but guess what? Now, you may give out candy, Jeremy. I wouldn't. I'd tell him to go f- get fucked. No, it ain't Halloween. Wouldn't. I wouldn't answer the door. But the chances of people coming to our house on Saturday yeah. are pretty slim. They don't come to your house like on Halloween. No, they're fucking terrible. So we'll, we'll be at Jeremy's Sunday night having a Halloweeny. We'll report back next week. Yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. You have a bunch of godless heathens that live around you. It's true. As long as the weather holds out, which it's supposed to. But man, the weather's been crazy. I mean, speaking of the weather, there's snow in the mountains. It's I beautiful know. on both sides of us. He opened my curtain without warning me and like blinded me with the sun today. This though. morning, but it's uh, I, I I welcome the snow. I love the snow, uh, and I don't know how tied to the bomb cyclone and atmospheric river our weather right now is, but it would sure be nice if that shit kept going past the Sierra Nevada range <laughs> and into. I thought it was my breath that smelled bad, but I'm guessing the dog. It's the dog. <laughs> she how would you mistake the dog's fart for your breath? Well, I can't smell the dog's fart. But I'm direct, like my mouth is pointed at you and all of a sudden you start waving around your nose like I had bad breath. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I think the Sierra Nevada stop a lot of that. And it'll be interesting with the La Nina to see where the weather, weather pattern falls and <clears throat> just Salt Lake's position with regards to the jet stream always makes winter somewhat questionable because if the jet stream flows properly, we'll get a nice cold winter with a lot of fucking moisture. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, if it's either too low or too high and not just right, then we get screwed. Didn't Brighton get 10 inches or so last night? Something like that? 8 to 10 inches? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you look, the mountains all have a good uh, good amount on them. So, but that bomb cyclone, all, all, the, all the news is about the nor'easter that's happening. But oh, realistically, yeah. the damage comes out of California, right? Because the heavy winds and the heavy rains are going to fucking cause so many landslides and oh, floods yeah. there. Like, it's going to be obscene. Well, not too many years, and it's going to just slide off into the ocean anyway. Yeah, so we need to, uh, well, we'll probably stop talking about the weather. This isn't an old man podcast, even though we're old. One more weather comment, and then we'll let it die for the day. The one thing I have to say, though, is this is probably the most normal fall we've had in a long time. Not according to my daughter. My daughter, fall has to be... Oh, my God. She she was <laughs> just on a rant when we were in Hawaii about how she doesn't get a fall. And 
And we're like, it's this is fall. That's what fall is. It's cold, cold. some days, warm some days. It's windy. Sometimes it's rainy, but that's fall. That's, that's fall. And fall in Utah, sometimes it snows, and then it melts the next day. She goes, no, fall is 50 to 65 degrees with no no snow. No, that's, that's not fall. She was fall. very specific. <laughs> and she could, I can't even wear any of my fall clothes anymore. So I base it off two things. First of all, our mowing season, we're done mowing. That's normal. To be done mowing. Yeah, I need to mow one last time. The end of October. I mean, one more cleanup mow, but like our mowing cycle, we mowed just before Hawaii. That's it. Like we're. Yeah, you're done. Like I, I just need to mow because we've had a couple weeks of moderate temperature with moisture. So So most of our clients will do one more cleanup mow, but like our cycle's done, which is normal. The last probably four years, we've mowed right up to the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, because it's just, uh, just the weather. That's not normal. The second thing is I remember as a kid trick or treating in the snow plenty of times. Oh, I always did growing up in Wyoming, but that's changed dramatically over the last few years. I don't really ever remember trick or treating as a child. Like I legit can't. Remember, look, that was ever a, trick or treat. When you were super poor and you had a chance to get like all the candy you can, you got a year's worth of candy in a night if you planned right. You took advantage of that, even in a small fucking town. One, I got to stay out as late as I wanted as a little kid. Two, my mom was neglectful, so she didn't like fucking drive down the street with us. We just wandered neighborhoods until we had so much candy we had to go back, and then that candy lasted. Now, granted, like by month six or seven, there's no good candy left. It's all the like hard sucky candy it's the, it's the fucking broken pixie sticks that assholes give out don't fucking give out pixie sticks you dicks and like the bit of honeys that are like way too hard and to the to smarties no. i love smarties smarties never last. i buy smarties just to eat them <laughs> and candy corn that was a good one so i'm not a huge candy person but i could do prison trading with that stuff with my siblings yeah. for months yeah <laughs> you're like i got some i got some snickers what cereal do you want to give up for yeah, your birthday? Yeah, I got Snickers if you'll do my chores. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. whatever, man. That was that was prison trading fodder right yeah. there. I'm, how many of your siblings have been to prison? None. That's a shame. They'd probably be good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Halloween. That'll, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't think like cleaning a toilet is worth a Snickers. I mean, when, when you're fucking poor and you don't have access to Snickers ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally worth it. You lived a different life than the rest of us. Yeah. 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 I I mean, you clean toilet, but like, it doesn't matter. Some kids trade smokes. We trade trade candies. Yeah, we just stole our smokes when I was a kid. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Um, Yeah, so you had on here a Riverton election rant. Yeah, so, okay. I want to know if it's the same as the one I've got. It might be. I don't know. Mine is very specific to Riverton. So... Our mail-in ballots came out, and all the rest of you people in the United States, it works just fine. We've been doing it for years. Yeah, and some other places are doing it, and, you know, you should learn. It's not fucking hard. We've never had a problem. Eventually, we'll get past, like, mail and go to electronic. It'll be fucking weird. I filled out the census online. I don't know why I can't fucking vote online, but anyway, that's a different... Yeah, so so that came out. It was in the mail uh, when I got back from Hawaii, so it came... So was ours, yeah. Sometime. So... I'm excited. I vote every time, all the time, especially with the mail-in, because it's the best. It is the best. It's so easy. I love it. And it gives you the opportunity to like look at candidates research. and research and find out what right. they're about and decide. So here's my rant. Here's my problem. Here's my frustration. I open it up. There are two people to vote for. Oh, you know what? Fuck you. I have one position on mine, and it's one person. They're not even running a pose. So there's no reason we should have to fucking vote for but them. But my two people- 
both running unopposed. Once oh, okay. So it's basically the same one thing. One was Trent Sk- Stag- Skag- Skaggs, who I like. I like Trent. I we like Trent. To him on the We've show had him on the show. He's a cool dude. He's really been good for Riverton. I think so. However, I still feel like people should should run. People should. Yeah, I don't know how these positions go. But the post. then my my real frustration and the one that's that's causing the rant is the Tawny McKay who made Riverton the abortion free city. Oh God, that is her claim to fame. Is she pushed to make Riverton the abortion free city? That's the only thing she has done. Was Riverton doing um, many abortions Jer- before she did? Jeremy that? wasn't his chicken shed. I don't know. What you with a with a wire? Uh, I don't know. But like she ran unopposed, and it just is so frustrating. That's why the rats got so big. You were feeding them the fetuses. Oh, stop! You two. <laughs> <laughs> that is too far. But yeah, I that so that is my frustration. Completely unopposed. So yeah, I mean one. Why bother? Other than, I mean, I get it. That's the process. But why are we not? Why well, it's an open? How big of a waste of money and resources and paper is it to put all those ballots together and ship them out? Like in the case of us, we had one person for a co- town council seat, not even like county council for a town council seat running on a post. Like she just should get the job because there's no one else to vote for. I mean, technically you can do a write-in, but the chance of a write-in winning is nothing. The chances of that. Yeah, but legally they have to. Yeah, but they don't. So it's, it's frustrating to see all those wasted resources. It's also frustrating to see, uh, positions getting run. I'm frustrated because I wanted to try the new voting style and we have no way to try that, which is the, the weighted. I wanted to see what it, what it would, what would happen, which is. Yeah, didn't you hear that they changed yeah, the way so, they're doing it? So now, when hey, you- I brought this up. I get to try and explain <laughs> it, Mister Intrusive. <laughs> so, you know how normally you're like, okay, let's say there's, let's say it was during the presidential election, and there's like 15 people, right? And you're like, well, I want to vote for this person, but I doubt this person's really going to win. So, do I give my vote to the person that I want to win, knowing that I'm essentially throwing a vote away, or do I vote for the person that I know is going to win that I'm okay with? And then my vote counts or whatever. Anyway. The lesser of all the evils. Right. Well, you get to, like, vote by, like... It's ranked choice is yeah, what it's called. Yeah, ranked choice. So you get to, like, vote and say, this is my first choice. If this person doesn't get enough votes to stay in, then this is who I vote for. Mm-hmm. And then this... And anyway, and then as it dwindles down, your well, vote... it also has an impact on uh, elect people actually getting elected. <clears throat> So in a lot of cases where you have more than two people running for a race, they don't get 50% of the vote. Right. And so if a single candidate doesn't get 50% of the vote, that's when the ranked stuff starts kicking in. That makes sense. So in a presidential election. When there's tons up in the early stages. Well, like think think of the uh, 2016 election with Trump. Evan McMullen and Trump and Hillary, like between the three of them. There wasn't a consensus winner. Like Trump had the most vote, but McMullen was pretty damn close. And so then it goes into uh, this weird fucking mathematical ranking formula, which is it's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. That, no, I hadn't heard about that. That's interesting. But I wouldn't have done any good on mine either. No. With my two you people. You could have ranked them both as one or both five. Unopposed. I guess it doesn't matter because you're just going to vote for them. I'm not a fan. I think the ranked choice Maybe voting you is weird. Maybe just send your ballot in with no vote on it. <laughs> you know, as long as we're talking about this, we don't do a whole lot of politics and news anymore these days. But it is worth noting. I don't know if you guys saw Rob Bishop uh, quit 
the redistricting committee, the independent redistricting committee. So a few years ago, we changed the Utah Constitution. One, we did four different changes. The legislature fucked with three of them pretty hard. So that's when we got medical marijuana and some other stuff. But one of the things that we got was the redistricting. So we knew coming into 2020, we were going to have a census. And that census was going to create new districts because you have to redraw your lines every 10 years. And... Uh, so we voted as a, as a state to change our constitution to have a committee put in place that's, you know, two Democrats, two Republicans, and one, uh, independent person to draw maps and vote on maps and make a recommendation to the legislature to adopt for the new districts. And, uh, Rob Bishop quit the other day. He quit the committee. They're due to deliver those, I think, at the end of this week to the legislative body. Uh, and uh, Rob Bishop quit because he was upset because he didn't feel like uh, the committee was uh, going to accept a map that combined rural and urban folks together, which is something he feels like Utah needs. I don't feel like Utah needs no. that. That's been my biggest argument for the longest time. Urban populations like that in Salt Lake City and the Salt Lake Valley and popu- have no business having the same representation as, as people County. in fucking Juab, right? Or people up in, let's say, Millard Box Elder or something. Or, yeah. Like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense because what those people want and need from a representative don't match up. They're very, very different. Because we're dealing with high density issues. We're dealing with, well, higher crime or just all of the issues in the city versus these tiny little towns in the middle of nowhere it's yeah it's they don't have the and, same needs and you can go online and check out the maps they're working off of four different maps right now um and one of them looks very similar which is really stupid where salt lake's broken up into basically four districts and that's basically to try and fuck democrats um but the other district maps look much more intelligent in design like there's one that covers northern utah and then there's one that's like you know, basically central and southern Utah and one that's eastern that includes like Provo and the Utah County areas. And then most of Salt Lake County gets incorporated into one, which makes sense. Yeah. Like, and I get it. You want to, you want to balance it out proportionate to proportional to populations because, you know, you can't have big populations, um, with one representative. So I can't have half a million people in the Salt Lake Valley with one rep and then, you know, a hundred thousand in another district. So you have to adjust for that. But I just thought it was interesting that he quit because he didn't like the direction that the committee he was threw a temper tantrum. Yeah. He fucking totally did. Cause it was going to be somewhat fair and he didn't yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Well, cause when it really comes down to it, downtown Salt Lake and the surrounding area is predominantly democratic. Yeah. But the way more. they've got it set up, Oh, they cut neighborhoods. They cut na- like it's like us. you're literally your neighbor could be in a different district. And, and they do that specifically because they know what voting data shows. I mean, ours isn't as bad as other places are in terms of gerrymandering, but it still exists here quite a bit yeah. where they'll cut a neighborhood in half. So you would think like, OK, Sugar House should all be in the same district. It makes sense for that neighborhood to be in the same district. Nope. Half of Sugar House is with shuttled Juab off County. to yeah a, a district <laughs> with Juab County. The other half is shuttled off to a district with, uh, you know, like Cash County. Yeah, right. And they break up Summit County because Summit County's pretty Democratic as well. They'll often break that up, you know. So it's just it's interesting. So while we're talking about Utah politicians, did I hear right that one of our politicians got indicted for something? 
Um, I don't know. I feel like I didn't hear that. That happened. Do you know who? We can Google it. If I could remember, then I would say (laughs) it. It is possible, but I haven't heard anything. I feel like somebody had something happen, and now I and now I can't remember. It was probably a useless point to even bring up. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything in the news, but it could be a lack of a Google search. Oh my God, this is so loud! <laughs> Our Halloween playlist is getting well. A crazy. Like that song was not very loud before, and now all I can hear is "hoo hoo hoo hoo" <laughs> from the damn song that's on. Um, anyway, I think that's uh, that's enough intro stuff. Maybe Brie will find. Yeah, if you find it, we'll stuff. come back to it. But we do need an update on Phoebe, who was kidnapped by your dog oh, yeah. daycare. Uh, oh yeah. So we got her back on Friday. Everything was good. Um, you know, we talked to the the you know the person. Like I said, Robin had some quite a bit of shit happen to her. She's just a little scatterbrained, but we'll be having hopefully having her on the show if we can get her get her on. But <laughs> it was it was good. She said that having her that extra week was actually fairly helpful. They noticed a lot of big changes, and we picked her up on Friday. And Chris had the guys over to watch Dune on Friday, and they all commented on. How much calmer she was. Yeah. Well, so she had three weeks, basically. Almost three full weeks. Three full weeks to work on. Yeah, she was three three days shy of three weeks. So, so yeah, she and, and she got a lot of exposure to things. So Bree said something at one point to me that made a lot of sense, which is, you know, Phoebe, uh, Phoebe's never been around kids. Like she had, I mean, she has, like she's been around your kids and John's kids. But, but like but little kids, all, kids. Our kids are older. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, you think about it, like when a dog is exposed to kids of any age, really, but like, especially little kids, they get manhandled. Pets just get fucked by kids. Like they just, because oh, yeah. kids don't care. They'll, well, they'll and even if there's somebody and, that's paying attention and, and teaching the kid, they still get tails pulled. They get sat on, they get faces dude, grabbed. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing is the unexpected. So for the most part, we as adults, we make very, um, decided movements. Like we're going to the front door. We're going to the fridge. We're like, and, and when we're doing things, we do things methodically. Like we're cleaning something out. We're, you know, the, the things that we do aren't very erratic. When you have little kids and they're literally, literally running around your house and, and changing their mind and screaming and yelling. They'd be running towards the front door, turn and grab the dog. Like yeah. just randomly. That, you know, an adult's not going to do that. And so, when we've had big dogs in the past, when I've had big dogs in the past, I have had them with little children that have had to, and they were puppies when we got them. And so like they kind of grew together and, and, and they learned to expect the unexpected Phoebe growing up with, you know, 40 something parents and no kids in the house. I mean, both girls were gone. Um, she hasn't, ever had to deal with you that. said 40 something parents i'm like who the fuck are the other 38 then i realized you were talking about how fucking old we are yeah <clears throat> so you yeah know, that was a good that was a good I thought th- i think that that's a le- legitimate thing and so one of the things that that kudos does is they they actually the the trainers a couple of the trainers actually have little kids and it's funny because they don't have to get daycare they just bring them and they actually use them as part of the training. They, they push around strollers. They have the kids, you know, run up to dogs. Well, and like, and, you know, Robin has a little daughter, a, a relatively young kid, probably 
three now, I'm guessing. Maybe, uh, maybe two. She had her like right when we first started, uh, working with kudos. So she's probably close to as old as Phoebe. <laughs> I think she, I think she was a little bit older. I think she maybe was like a year or so old. But when, she's, so she's, she's like pretty, three. pretty close to Phoebe's age, honestly. But anyway, uh, Robin has a little kid and Robin's like, you know, when I first had her at home, she, you know, you could see her eye, uh, the little one. And so, I had her in a muzzle for the first couple of days that she was there. And she's like, now she loves the kid. Like, she's like the only people that, and, and, and she got exposed to Robin's family, you know, her, her husband and her, an older nephew of hers that, you know, Phoebe doesn't do well with men in particular. And I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but just something about men. And, and so she was able to expose her to that and to a lot of other dogs that she's fostering. Uh, and you know, they take them places. So she was at Home Depot and Lowe's and the pet store. And they went to like Thanksgiving Point for something. And she said it was like the no, busy to uh, one in 78. Oh, the, the which one? Gardner Village. Gardner, oh, Village. Gardner Village. She said it was the busiest she's ever seen. And she's like, we're there all the time exposing the dogs. And she's like, she did fine. Somebody came up behind her. She's like, we're in this big group of dogs. And of course, she's like, I had to hand her off to Danielle for a minute. Who had another challenging dog. And and of course. And someone picked that moment to decide of all of the dogs they wanted to pet Phoebe and like ran up to Phoebe and she did fine. And I really do think that that exposure to little kids, little kids exposure to dogs and dogs exposure to little kids is beneficial to them both. They each learn how to occupy the world together. Mm -hmm. And Phoebe didn't didn't get that. I think that that's some of her trouble. Well, that's invaluable because you guys would have not ever done that. Or, I mean, you don't have... We, I mean, we try to take her out for exposure, but admittedly not as much as we should. But, um, you well, know, it's, it's different coming across a small child in the park as opposed yeah. to living with one, having exactly. one 24-7 for... You know, it, one of the things that's... So uh, you see these, these dog trainer videos and shows like... Um, um, Caesar. the dog whisperer, Caesar Milan and some of these other training shows. And <clears throat> they're not wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're not wrong. Most of the time, the problem is the person you remove the owner from the situation and the dog behaves very differently. Um, and that's true. That's true for a lot of things, but we found with Phoebe when we were out of the situation with like the vet, she was not okay. When uh, even even the the trainers, she knows all the trainers at Kudos very well, right? They work with her one to two times a week, every week, for her whole life almost. Yeah, so she knows all of them really well, and and she's doing it with them. Like she's having those reaction moments with them, like when they have hmm. them out, and so that tells me that it, there's something else wrong with her. And that they're it's actually not just us. they're actually having the chiropractor work on her, and uh, they think that there might be something. Like musculature with her back because her x-rays look okay. So she goes to the chiropractor again on Friday and this chiropractor is kind of cool. She's not charging us until she can actually do an adjustment because she hasn't been able to do an adjustment yet. She's still just She's like, I just want to work with her. I want her to figure it get out. to know me before, you know, I try to do an adjustment because she, I mean, to do a chiropractic adjustment, you have to be very hands on with the dog and have the dog's trust so that you can do the pops or whatever. I don't know if I can but do. like, it, when they tried to do it while we were gone, while she was in their care, um, 
they couldn't because she was having the same kind of reaction she had with the vets. And she like did some tail pull thing, which in- releases some endorphins or something. And Robin said like you could visibly see like her, her attitude change. She and relaxed. then she, and before she was like really upset with the doctor and then she turned around and was like, Oh, hey, hi. How are you? Oh, interesting. So I'm interested to see if there's something going on with her back too that's like causing her to be extra sensitive to just the world around well, her. Think about it. When, when you're in pain, you're cranky. Well, and dogs don't show pain like people. <laughs> right. They, they hide, hide it. it really well because they have to because that's their instinct because yeah. if they show the weakness, the rest of the pack will kill them or ostracize them or... So anyway, yeah, that's the update on Phoebe. She's good. Um, she she was at day camp all day today, and she was super happy. We gotta. They did. This is why we love kudos, <clears throat> and and I I will sing their praises to anyone. Um, so the the day camp uh today they did Halloween pictures with the dogs like <laughs> with stuff. Uh, like last year they had the dogs bring costumes. They didn't do that this year, um, but they they took pictures, so I'm sure they took Halloween pictures. And then they did, like, arts and crafts with the dogs, which basically meant, like, they did a paw print on, like, a like a, like a kind of a cardboardy like thing. Like some melamine kind of thing. Yeah, but they did a paw print, paw print and turned it into a spider with legs. But they put little eyes on yeah, it, too. Yeah, like, it's really cute. So, and, and they brought it home, so Chris is like, look what your daughter made you. Like, yeah. it, like in, when your kids bring yeah. it home from kindergarten or first grade. But, and they actually made, like, like a, a almost like a haunted house for the dogs. I was just looking through the pictures. They were doing it without dogs in it. But there's, like, like scary little blow-up dogs, <laughs> and there's, like, little mazes and, like, little things for them to dig in and, like, slides for them to go down, like, all these things. And it's all about teaching them how to be in different environments and be okay with it. Yeah. To just ignore and, and be calm. And Especially like during this time of year when people have things out in their front yard and people, little kids will be coming to your door dressed in funny outfits that might, mm-hmm. you know, startle them or whatever. But that's, that's the kind of, they do that for all the holidays. They do different stuff, fun stuff like that. So <clears throat> I will sing their praises to, to anyone. So hopefully we, we can get Robin on because like we, she's a busy woman. She, she owns this business. She has, Poor kids, I think, at plus this business. So it, she's, she's very, very busy. Um, We've but tried. we have her scheduled. So hopefully she gets to be on. Yeah, the last time she was supposed to be on, I like her sister died like the week yeah. before. So that kind of just throws the whole thing. Um, so anyway, uh, oh, I want to talk about one other business, uh, the neighborhood hive. Um, oh yeah, yeah. They, uh, they did an update on their Kickstarter recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it sounds like they're full speed ahead inside. All their permits are done. So they are cruising now. So they poured the floor, which means all of the plumbing and underground electrical is done. So now they're framing up they're all They're framing the, all the walls yeah, and all, all the, the interior walls. Stuff. So I know that originally they were hoping for kind of Thanksgiving-ish. We'll and they, they might still make it. Yeah, I we'll mean, if they've, they've got approval on all their other stuff, I mean. It may be that, that they're open-ish for Thanksgiving. Which would be really cool. Like if they can get enough of it done to get, um. To even open the front end. Like the habit, I guess it's not a habitational for, for commercial, but whatever it is, uh, occupation. Occupational. Permit, um, so that they can, they're allowed to be in it. That would be cool. Then they could even just transition their market to be inside. Yeah. And just while. open the front end so that way you've got the, the coffee shop open. The oleo open and maybe not the, maybe the kitchen's not done and right stuff like and that. the back training rooms and stuff but but yeah if they can get to where they're actually have a uh, being able to sell things 
and you can walk into their store any given time. That'll help. However, they've said that their online has done like way better than they thought. Olio's has for sure. Yeah. So so that's good. Um, and and I this is a this is a plug just for local business in general. Um, it is holiday time coming up. Um, a lot of stores, like I, we went into Best Buy to look at laptops, uh, this last week and they had like 16 million TVs inside the store, like all over the place. Like it would look for Black Friday. And that's because all the retailers out there are doing like a lot of early sales because supply chain, supply chain is going to screw Black Friday up a little bit for them. <clears throat> so they're trying to like boost sales early. I would recommend that you go out and buy stuff early for people, but I would also recommend that you do that at local places. Don't go to the big box retailers, you know, think, and, think about, you know, visiting Oleo, buying people coffee from, from Jed's. Most local places do, uh, gift cards. Yeah. Gift cards are a good way to go. That are perfect. Stocking stuffers, whatever, to send in a card to friends. Something for your kid in Denver who probably isn't going to be able to come <laughs> for the holidays. So I just, just start thinking about it. You should be thinking about your holiday shopping early this year. Uh, and, and try to stay local, like, you know, visit local toy stores. Um, Bree's probably getting cold. I'm just <laughs> trying not to sweat, but she's got a heating blanket, so she got a heated blanket over there. She'll be Well, right. local craft shops, local, I mean, there's so many local things and cool local places. Well, like, so I've noticed a lot of stuff that Clever Octopus has been doing, um, with their reuse and stuff. Um, but even like if you are going to, if you are looking for crafting stuff, if you're looking to do things with your kids while you're off on breaks and things like that, um, I would suggest going there. They, a lot of times they have projects that they're doing or they can direct you to things or if somebody's maybe donated a bunch of something and you go in and you're like, Oh, I have the perfect thing for that. Um, and that's very local because that's all donated stuff and they're not trying to make, make a buck off of it necessarily there. They have a lot of volunteer workers and stuff. It's all to kind of help our planet out a little bit and reduce what goes to the landfill. So that could be something that you do. Uh, you made me think of something else. Um, when you said something about school breaks, uh, so I, I, we were back at this point, like we had got back at this time. Um, but apparently over the last UEA break, which was this last week, mm-hmm. um, fall break basically yep. for, for kids here locally. Um, apparently the airport parking was completely full. Like completely full. There was full. a point where for a couple of days, there were no spots at the airport, not in the airport economy lot, not in the garage, no spots left. <sighs> what would you do? <laughs> So that's, I, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thought. And I don't, I saw an article about it. The airport, you know, the airport people were really, um, kind of beside themselves because they've got to solve that problem because the airport has a shit ton more expansion coming. Well, and to be fair, when we were there, there was a lot that was closed off for construction. For construction. So if that had been open, they wouldn't have had that problem. But think about busy travel holidays coming up. Like it's going to be so. If you're going to travel to the airport, you might want to consider alternate forms of transportation. Um, the, the track line runs straight to the terminal now instead of in like weird fucking la la land like it was. So that I think that construction is actually finished now. And so you can take, uh, the train right up to the edge of the terminal 
uh, again. Um, you know, there's Uber and Lyft always if you want to do ride share. There's also parking lots that aren't at the airport. Yeah, that, but isn't that the big flying J lot? Isn't that the big parking jet? There's like a couple others. There's a couple others. Uh, and actually, after standing in the line to get to the economy lot and having six shuttles go before we could get into a shuttle, it might not be a bad idea to use one of those lots. They might be a tiny bit more. They might even be a little bit less because the parking has gone up quite a bit at the airport. Um, but that might be worth it, too. Just something to think about. I was just reading about it the other day, uh, and it, it doesn't shock me based on how long we waited to get out to our car uh, that that was the case. But at the same time, what would you do? Your whole trip is pla- is and you get there, and they're like, zero parking. Yeah, you get there, you drive around, there's no parking. You have all your luggage in your car, and you're like, where the fuck do I park so that I can get on my plane in time? So also get there early, people. So the the parts of the airport that are done are super nice, but it's still a mess, and it'll be nice when it's done. It's going to be a couple of years, though. 2024, I think, is when they're predicting it, it will be done, so... Yeah. I mean, they're building a whole nother terminal, so they're doing a C terminal, I think. Yeah. And then also they're expanding A and B out to the east. So from security that will go, is it the east? Yeah. It'll go, it'll go the opposite direction. Yeah. So there's still a lot of work to do. So they, yeah, they tore, they had to tear out the old one to do They built the new one where some of the shops and whatnot are, and then they tore down the old one, the original, and now they're building where the original was. Yeah, so we got a few more years before that's all done. And the funny thing is that parking lot's like twice what it used to be. Yeah, it's quite a bit bigger. And the parking garage is freaking nice. Almost worth paying the extra, but then not really on like a 10-day trip. Yeah, not like when we got a three-day trip. Yeah. Like when we go to, when we, we're taking a small cruise in February, we're flying. I'll probably park in the garage. If you're only going for a few days, but yeah. yeah. I was 120, like 100. 20 bucks. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah. To park like for the 10 for, days. For 10 which days. Is, yeah. It's not great. If, but. but if you consider what it would take to get a Uber or a Lyft out to your house to take you in. Yeah. Plus, we had six of us. So, I mean, we carpooled. So, but anyway. All right. So, uh, I think we're good. Let's get on to the main topic of the evening. Let's um, get on with it. Of the show. You guys might not be listening to this at night, probably in the morning. Fucking crazies that listen to it at 3 a.m. I don't understand you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it's historically significant Utah month. Uh, and we decided for this month, um, because we, we really like Asylum 49, but we already did a whole bunch of shit on them. Um, but we, we knew we wanted to do this during the, during the year where we're doing historically significant stuff. Uh, and, and that is talk about two very special and specific places of worship in, uh, Salt Lake. No. Truly, truly, if you really think about it, probably the two most iconic, definitely religious buildings, but iconic buildings in all of Salt Lake. Yeah. I mean, pretty big. I would say like the- when when people do like those those cityscapes, you know, where they make some of the buildings bigger. These are usually two that, right. that along well, with the capital. And, and we've had a lot of people come on the show. So it is the the LDS temple in Salt Lake. And uh, the Cathedral of the Madeline, uh, also in Salt Lake, just down the road from the temple, actually. By the way, when you do your show notes, me left out on Ian Madeline, so I have spelled it correctly. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, I spelled it correctly in my notes, too, because that's not its original name, which we'll, we'll get to. Yep. Um, but those, we've had a lot of people say, hey, you should go visit Temple Square. Whether you are Mormon or not, it is 
uh, an amazing architectural wonder. There's a lot of cool stuff that went into it. It's, it's really a, a very impressive, uh, uh, building. Um, and, uh, so we're going to talk about those today. We're going to talk about, uh, the history of them. Uh, Jeremy had me believing that the Cathedral of the Madeline was built around the same time as the temple, which is not the case at all. No, uh, they were built in similar time frames. No, they were built decades, decades apart, apart, sir. Well, the Mormon temple took 40 years to build. That's true. Well, and that yeah. was still before the Cathedral of the Madeline started. <laughs> so they were not actually built at the same time. Um, and, um, they were built very differently. Um, so the, the, yeah, they were, dude, they were so far apart. Like it didn't even get started until years, like a full decade almost after. So <laughs> anyways, <laughs> but, uh, we thought it was important to do them both. Um, so do we want to start with the cathedral of the Madeline or do we want to start let's with the, start with temple, the temple? Cause it's the oldest yeah, let's start with the and temple. they're doing the, the renovations now. So yeah, that's interesting. Got some info. Yeah, on oh, that one. Speaking of the renovations, by the way, um, you can't really go visit temple square right now. I mean, you could, but Does, I don't, you can look through the gate. Yeah. Not- <laughs> really a temple square at the moment for the all... next like four years they're doing a big renovation and so which i'm sure you'll get talking about because they talk about the construction of like the wall that's around it and the and the beginnings of temple square and what's involved in temple square like yeah, so what it is <clears throat> let's start back at the beginning of mormon history um so the mormons exist uh they build a couple of temples outside of salt lake um the salt lake city temple i think was actually the Fourth temple? Mm-hmm. And like Nauvoo and all that. Yeah, but it was the first one built yeah, in Nauvoo, Logan, and then Salt Lake. So Logan was built before Salt Lake. Yep. <clears throat> Salt Lake was started way before it, but it took Logan was years. completed first. Completed. So, That's so the way put it. Which, Salt Lake. Was, which I think we talked about. Yeah, Salt Lake was the first temple that was built, started building, started. Uh, planned in the state of Utah, which. Um, yeah. And it's still the biggest, I believe. It is the biggest. So. Just four days after they arrived in the Salt Lake Valley, they they picked out where they wanted to build the temple and dedicated the grounds. So, yeah, four days after arriving here. They were like, this is where it's going to be. Food isn't important. Let's find out where our temple will be. (laughs) Well, and it's important because for those of you that have never been to Salt Lake, and even for those of you that live here your whole life, maybe you don't know this, Salt Lake City and Salt Lake Valley in particular. So if you go to like Provo... Provo has a whole bunch of streets, 100 South, 200 South, 300 South, 400 South. And then it runs into Orem and it goes from like 1700 North to 5200 South. It's, it's really, so it's because they're not, they weren't built together. They were built separate and they kind of mashed together over time. But the Salt Lake Valley, so from, you know, Salt Lake City all the way down to Bluffdale is a planned valley. And so all the cities that built had the, all the streets were connected between the different cities. Now it used to be like going to Draper or going to Harriman took a really fucking long time and it felt like a completely different part you of the You had to do the, the Pac-Man because you had to turn to get there. But but even then the streets were appropriately numbered. And the way the street numbering works in the Salt Lake Valley is Temple Square, the Mormon temple is, is the dead center. That's ground zero. And so everything from there, you have north, south, uh, and west temple. There's no east temple. That is State Street. Or is it Main Street? It's Main Street. Main. Main Street is east temple or Main Street. But essentially, those four streets, and then you go out you know, in hundreds from each of those cardinal directions so that you know, 5600 west, which is roughly where we live, is 56 blocks from the center of Salt Lake. Chris Valley. was doing quotes. You couldn't yeah, see. Yeah, you can't air see quotes. my air quotes. <laughs> Hopefully I can 
you know, do that and block. So, uh, learning to drive in Salt Lake was a whole lot easier than other places because once you figured that out, Every, you're 100 south, 200, 300. It's really easy to find stuff. You can find just north, south, east, and, and it's, west. And it's very much a grid. There are neighborhoods. Like, if you get up into Holiday, there's some weird fucking roads that do a lot of winding and well, shit. Well, and then but. there's, like, the avenues and stuff. But even even if you... So, even our street actually has a coordinate number, if mm-hmm. you want to look it up. Like, so there's the actually avenues. a, you know, a number. Even so, even our named streets also have numbers. Have also numbers. are assigned numbers. And so it can be like 5321 West is the named number of the street, but it might be Fuck You Avenue. Right. Well, and whatever. it's and it's weird if you're ever talking to anyone who doesn't know how it works, because you might say, oh yeah, my address is 220 East, 500 South, and they're like, are you sure? Like, where the hell, how do you do that? Like, that's east. Why do you have south. two, two numbers? That's, that can't be right. And, and it was meant to be that I think it's like seven blocks was a mile. So if you go from South Temple to 600 South, that's a mile, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and then and as that, time went on, they tightened things up because originally they also made the streets wide enough that a handcart could turn around in it. Well, and, and that you could have two wagons. Which actually became other. very useful for what we need because the city for now. if you think, like back east when they built cities and they had small cobblestone roads, they were only wide enough for one car. And so you have a lot of one-way streets in a lot of older towns because they're only wide enough for one car and maybe cars on the side, but not for two cars going. So, so I will say early urban planning... Was very smart. It was. Well oh, it's really well done. done. Really well not done. Not anymore, but it not, was. Not anymore. Well, I mean, the planning is still good as long as you're not talking about like where to put new roads and how to build those new roads out west. <laughs> Fucking idiots at UDOT, man. They should all be fired again. Uh, so anyway, so uh, Temple Ground uh, actually gets broken in 1853. 1853. Uh, and so they have a uh, a groundbreaking and cornerstone placing ceremony. Uh, the cornerstone came out of Red Butte Garden. So the funny part is, the original foundation, they used sandstone. They're new to the area. They don't quite grasp how what sandstone, sandstone is. And to be fair, they're not the only ones, because the cathedral was built with sandstone as well, sandstone. which we'll talk to talk about. But the sandstone was really prominent in this area. Right. So And it is beautiful. I mean, it's very beautiful. And the, like, it's got a cool texture. And it's and got all, you can see all the layers in it. So but, it looks uh, yeah, you don't want to build with that. So, so they start building. They, they, they start digging foundation and start laying sandstone. Uh, and before this happens, they build a wall around Temple Square. So to hot, to hide from prying what eyes. Is it six- 16 feet? No, that's, is that right? Uh, I don't remember. It's, it's very, very tall. The wall is very, very but they, tall. They build this wall around it, um, basically to kind of hide what's going on. It was nine feet thick. No, that's the actual, uh, that's the actual structure. Sorry. Um, I don't remember how tall they were, but in, uh, this is, this is where it gets interesting. So they start building. Now there's the thing to remember that most people don't know about the temple is how deep it is. Yeah, it is. It's not just like you see most buildings and you're like, they probably have a couple levels below. The temple was really deep. It had a huge, deep foundation Um, on the foundation. They actually went down till they hit um, not bedrock, but like granite. Like they went, they went to crust, solid, like, like really hard crust of rock, like. Very, very difficult. Like they couldn't really, with the, with the tools of the time, they could not, they couldn't get through it. And so they started building 
And then, so this is, you know, 1853. So for four years, they're building. And then we talked about this uh, a few months ago in, in 1857, the, uh, the Utah war happens. And so, you know, you can go listen to the episode on the Utah war. Uh, but essentially the United States government doesn't like what's going on with the Mormons, um, is really afraid of what the Mormons are going to represent in terms of the civil war statehood. And there's all and, kinds of other stuff. And, you know, they're electing governors that, they don't give a shit about the U.S. <laughs> and they're living in a territory that was Mexico and trying to make their own country. And so the federal government says, now nah, we got to fucking squash this. So they sent a bunch of troops in. The biggest army of the day. The biggest army. And the Mormons catch wind of this, you know, and they're fucking with them the whole way as they come. And uh, Brigham Young says at the time, be prepared to burn the whole town and don't give them anything. And so... In preparation for the army coming in, and they didn't want the army to find out about the temple that they were building because it's this big holy site, and they had issues in Naboo, uh, and so they Naboo. Buried, whatever. Naboo is in Star Wars. Yeah, it's a better town. Same thing. <laughs> uh, and they buried it all. So, mind you, there's not like there's not huge walls that they're burying yet because they're it's still foundation. in foundation land, and they bury it all. They cover it all up. They make it look like a, a plowed field, yeah. basically. We fenced in this plowed field. Don't, yeah. n- no, no reason to look over here. Yeah, I mean, essentially, because they didn't want the army to come in and fuck stuff up, and they didn't want anything to be you know, thought of, because they had all those issues in the eastern part of the U.S., uh, turn, you know, turns out the army was like, yeah, we don't want to fucking stay in Salt Lake. We're trying to avoid conflict, even though we brought a huge army. We're well, once, go- like we talked about it, go back to that episode. Once they, they brought their governor, put him in place, the... The Mormons, well, as far as we know, didn't really fight it. They let it happen. They let the new governor go into place. And then the army moved south. Yeah. So out of the Salt Lake Valley. And down into the middle of fucking nowhere by Utah Lake. So go listen to that episode. It's really good. Um, so anyway, so uh, that was a historical place episode, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Because it was about the, the what, what's the name of the fort down there that they were at? I can't remember. Because that's what it was about. As soon as you say it, I blank. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, so so uh, Camp Floyd. Yeah, Camp Floyd. There you go. So the army uh, leaves, and Mormons pick, pick back up with building. Uh, so 1858, they dig the hole back out and realize, oh, sandstone really doesn't make. <laughs> Look the at that sandstone turned back into earth. Well, they're like, holy shit! There, this was buried for a year, and there's giant cracks, cracks. everywhere. This isn't it, gonna work. it essentially turned back into earth almost. Yeah, they're like, uh, this isn't going to work. So sandstone, as we know today, is very soft and it erodes very easily. And that's why uh, down in southern Utah where the red rocks are, you have delicate arch in these different places like that. What that, that is. Yeah, is, arches is in uh, eastern Utah, not southern east, Utah. Right. That's where you have solid pieces of rock that were embedded in the sandstone thousands and thousands of years ago. The solid rock stays and the sandstone slowly erases well, yeah, like, and like, away. Yeah, and it's and it's eroded by wind. There's a reason it's called sandstone <laughs> because it's made of sand. And anybody who's tried to build a sand castle knows Realizes. what's what's going on. So, oh god, I was going to say. So at that point, they decide this isn't going to work. So they they start taking out. It didn't. They did. It said they didn't replace all of the sandstone. But. So I'm sure there's some sandstone still still sitting there underneath it. But they took out basically all of it. I think they left the cornerstones and stuff. Um, but it's around this time that in 
uh, what canyon is it? Uh, where Solitude is, right? Is that little Cottonwood? It was Little Cottonwood. Mm-hmm. They discover a huge granite deposit, uh, and uh, they decide, okay, well, let's build this thing out of granite. So they open up a Much granite quarry. Better. Uh, quarry. I think the quarry's still there. Still there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they go up and they start cutting humongous thousand, like like, like five thousand pound slabs like of granite, sixteen feet by sixteen feet, like giant. How granite are they stones. moving this stuff? Originally like, by ox. Well, I know, but like, like the pyramids. I don't know. <laughs> they they threw five thousand pound pieces of granite. On probably some kind of weird flatbed wagon with a bunch of wheels. And drug and it out. It's like that. It's like that cheerleader TikTok I saw today, where they were surfing and all of the the little tic, the little cheerleaders all laid on the ground and they all rolled, and then the ones at the end jumped up and they rounded the other yeah. end. I bet they I, used like logs and things like that, that to do that. It was it was a lot of ox. I know that. And they oxen oxen and they they rode them into Salt Lake and took them to the temple and deposited the granite there and then went back and got more. And when the railroad finally showed up, yeah. so this is part of why it took 40 years to build the temple. Because at this point, they're still not out of the foundation. They're replacing what they had already started with. They're now using granite out of this quarry that they've they've started. Well, cause even Which isn't you, close by. Once you get the foundation in, now you've got the flat work. Meaning, you built the walls, now you've got the whole basement floor of this ginormous mm-hmm. building to put together. Yeah. And then you got to start building up. And we're um, not talking like lots of cement work happening at this point. Well, we're and this isn't building tilt up walls there's, here. There's no, con- there's no concrete back well, then. I guess technically they might have been the first tilt up walls, right? Uh, they they, they kind of were the way they put the slabs in place and they built it hollow, which is a traditional, by the way, a traditional way to build buildings now, but that was pretty revolutionary back then. They didn't build like, yeah, so just the exterior. The entire the- exterior was built first. Yeah. Which at the time, I suppose you saw that some, you saw that back, back in Europe. A little bit, yeah. But for the United States, that was, that was not, not, that was not a common practice. I mean, it now it is. Build a level, build a level, build a level. And, and now, I mean, we, that's basically what we still do. We don't build interior structure until the entire exterior is done. We build the floors, yeah, like the, floors. The, the, the beams for the floors, but, but this, not even up. the floors. So when you walked in it, it was just one massive, open, empty, hollow thing, big monster. Well, and this is the building that was built like a boat. No, that's no, the that's tabernacle. the tabernacle, oh, which we, tabernacle. we can talk about. Okay. So the 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 temple itself. So once the railroad comes into play, um, and and specifically they draw a line from Little Cottonwood. Dur- yeah, they built a rail line directly, directly to-, to the temple area, and that sped things up because now the quarries are pumping out granite, and as fast as they can pump it out, rail yeah. lines are taking it down instead of having to Now you to can move it down in a couple of hours. Now you days. don't need the cheerleaders to jump up and run down run the hill. <laughs> so building building definitely speeds up at that point. Um, and, and that was in 1860 that they started using granite. And then um, it wasn't until 1867 that you first saw walls above granite. Coming out of the ground. So keep in mind, it was started on April 6th, 1853. 14 years later, you saw your first walls. Like, that's wild. The 14 years. And this is in the 1800s. We don't have modern day cranes and shit like that. Like, it's, the crazy it's, thing is, though, they're, they're carving every block to fit on top of and next to. They're precise. It's like the pyramids, man. It's that, precise carving. 
It is like these clean, perfect cuts. And it's not just clean, perfect cuts. Cause like we're, I want to talk about the symbolism in a little bit that's oh, yeah. built into this thing, but it's all hand carved granite. Like all of the stuff that they build in. Yeah, it's is not all like carved. some laser. Ma- you didn't, they didn't lay it on the <laughs> laser it on the CNC machine. Yeah. No, it's very not like my counter now. was cut or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to read this. I found this and I can't remember where it's from, but this is supposedly, um, uh, I think this is Brigham's original vision. So the, the temple, if you've never seen it, the temple has essentially three spires on each side on the east and the west. Uh, the middle spire is bigger on both. And actually I think the east side is bigger, slightly taller than, than the west side. Um, but I found this, uh, snippet and this is supposedly what, uh, uh, Brigham Young had said when he originally kind of hand drew what he wanted for this, this temple. He said there will be three towers on the east representing the president and his two counselors. Also three towers on the west representing the presiding bishop and his two counselors. The towers on the east, uh, the Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Well, the, so everybody pronounces, so the Mormons pronounce it Melchizedek. The Melchizedek priesthood. But everybody else pronounces it Melchizedek. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Mormons since it's their it's priesthood. It's temple. <laughs> the Melchizedek priesthood. Those on the west, the Aaronic priesthood. Those must be people. I don't know much about uh, the priesthoods. It is. They're named after people, yes. Why are there two different priesthoods? That's stupid. Uh, the there's more. lesser Melchizedek. Isn't there? Aren't there more priesthoods? Oh, I think there oh. probably are. There's the black priesthood. Those guys don't deserve <laughs> anything. That's what the Mormons thought until 1979 when oh they needed on the I basketball saw, team. I saw a pyramid today that shows like where women are in the pyramid and it's like, like just us, like this regular folk. There's the apostates. Which have, have heard that, heard that. Gentiles. And rejected it. Uh, the, Gentiles the Gentiles who, who haven't heard, heard it. Heard it. Women, women. Women and children. And then everybody else is above them. And then all the men above them. I had to, I had to, I had to try hard to stay away from that today. So anyway, the, uh, the center towers will be higher than those on the sides. So that would represent like the bishop and the, or the presiding, the president and the presiding bishop are higher than their subordinates. Uh, and then the west towers are a little lower than those on the east end, meaning the president is, uh, the president is higher up than the bishop, so it's all symbolic in that yep. way. The body of the building will be between these pillars and will be necessary to support the floors. So basically, his original designs were, this is going to be a big structure, and the the outside around these pillars are what's supporting the structure, not the pillars. So they're decorative. <laughs> At least that's what I got out of it. But I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, he, he had that vision and that's kind of why he had that vision. And even in just the actual design, cause I didn't know looking at it that the Eastern towers were actually higher, the Eastern yeah, spires. You wouldn't know to just look at it from ground level. But. Yeah. And I don't think there's that much And I'm sure anybody higher. that just looks at it probably just thinks they're just looking at it from a weird, if they notice it. Yeah. But the Eastern spires mm-hmm. are slightly higher than the Western, which is, I just thought that was kind of, kind of cool that, that that was built in, along with a lot of other symbolism. Do you want to get into the symbolism a little bit while um, we're talking symbolism? Well, we can. We'll, we'll do that once we get through okay. the, the finish. Because uh, uh, the, the, the spires themselves were done uh, in 1892, and that's when the angel was placed on top, the angel Moroni. Which, which, we'll talk about this slightly just because we're bringing it up. So the Italian artist who sculpted it believed it was Gabriel. Oh. He didn't. He, so so it, it is Gabriel. Then. So it was designed to be Gabriel, <laughs> and then the, did it have wings when he did it? No, but the original on the other temples, uh, Moroni was wearing the Mormon temple clothing, and 
the the guy who carved the original one, I can't think of his name at the moment, but he was an Italian artist. He's like, no, 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 Gabriel wears robes. So that's why it is what it is. It's in robes. Because yeah. they hired this Italian Italian artist to, to, to do it. Well, and for the most part, and I don't know if it's different on every temple, but the the angel Moroni at the top is the lightning rod. So if you look, you can see yeah, typically. Like, the spike coming and, out of his head. And the angel Moroni uh, in, in the temple in Salt Lake has like a fucking 3,000 pound counterbalance that you don't see underneath Yeah, it. the big ball he's standing on, yeah, basically. That, that is to keep him from falling off in like strong weather, like strong winds. And, and other than the earthquake, it never Where his trumpet Fell out, fell off. and then all of the all of the angel Moronis face Kirkland. So no matter where they are in the world, all of them face Kirtland. Kirtland, because that's where what's some, Kirtland? Kirtland, Ohio, Kirtland, Ohio. Because someday that's where the church will go back. Is to. that where the golden plates are? Die in New York. Oh, we're never going to find them in that cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody already melted them down and made them into. Gold chains or gold something. Gold chains to sell on the street. Of New York. You want a chain, man? Yeah. I got a chain. <laughs> Opening up his trench coat, showing you some gold chains. Chains on one side, tracksuits on the other. Yeah. No, he doesn't keep tracksuits in the trench coat. It's radios. <laughs> oh, radios. You need a stereo, gold chain, toothbrush. Tracksuits are in the You van. remember coming to America when they stole his luggage and then they were trying to hawk his own shit back to him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I, I don't know that there were any other real major construction points at that, at that point, uh, in, in April 6th of ni- 1893, which is exactly 40 years to the, yep, day, to the day of, of when they broke ground and, and dedicated it, um, it was complete. And that is when they did the actual dedication. So I know that they did keep, uh, two of the towers completely open, uh, and later those are where the elevator shafts got put in. Oh, that's cool. And it's important to know that, like, you know, these temples, when they were being built, you could, before dedication, they allowed people in to see Anybody can be in it until it's dedicated. Once it's dedicated, they shut that shit down. I think I I toured the Timpanogos Temple. Well, because they do big open houses. Which is the one that looks like the Bountiful Temple, right? Timpanogos? I have no idea. I don't know. But they have a whole bunch of rooms in them for like, you know, how how you become worthy of your husband and become Jesus and you can baptize dead people and they all have different. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Like I, I, I follow a lot of religion and theology. The Mormon church, the, the baptismal font for the baptisms of the dead, which again, I tell you any Mormon friends that I know, if you want to baptize me once I die, Fucking have at it because if you're right and I was wrong, that's only helpful for me. Yeah. And if you're wrong, it doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't you just baptize the fucking air. It doesn't matter. So go ahead and do it. I don't care. Maybe you're right. Uh, but th- when I, the first time I ever saw a picture of those baptismal fonts and like the golden cows that the big giant tub is on top of, all I could think of is like, you know, in the Old Testament, when they're worshiping a fucking golden cow and they have like the ideology and God is like, Oh, that's bad. Burning bush. Like burn the burning bush thing, by the way, was probably mushrooms. So there's, I have a book on that. That's actually really interesting. But, um, I, I, all I could think of was like, that's not like to me, a, a real religion is not opulent. And what that is, is opulent. What this temple is, is incredibly opulent. Like, 
that to me is a problem that I have with a lot of religion, including the Catholic religion, because we're going to get into get the to cathedral, that in minutes. and and it's it's no well, less. And even if you look at mosques and things, yeah. they're all very opulent. And and that's to me that is a problem that I have with religion because to me that's you you need to be more humble, uh, and I think there's humility is lost in a lot of that. But yeah, that's besides the point. So now let's get into the symbolism, and I don't know what the fuck those things symbolize. Maybe you can tell me. It's like the twelve tribes or something. Twelve tribes okay. of Israel. The the black tribe. Where's that at in the whole? That's one of the lost tribes. That's that's the ball. Oh, I thought that was one of the twelve. That's, no, that's actually the ball underneath that keeps the ball <laughs> from falling. So it's the ten. There's actually twelve tribes. There's ten. Two of them are lost. Yeah, and one of the lost tribes is the black people, Correct. right? And they have twelve bulls under it, or just ten? I think there's just ten. Oh, in fact, I think there's only six. But oh, okay. No, yeah. I, but that's what they represent. They're huge, though. Yeah, I they're know. They're bigger than life size. Okay, so let's talk about they, it's actually really that's the only thing what, I really remember about the what temple. What they've I always toured. reminded me of is that torture device where they would put people inside of the bowl and they would light it up and then the, the steam would come out of it and it would make the bowl noise. What is the what is the what are they actually called? Do you know? The oxen? Yeah. Yeah, they're oxen. They're oxen. Yeah. The golden okay. oxen. Uh, okay, so let's talk about symbolism. And this is something that I want to, I, I just want to tell listeners this. Like, if you've ever gone to look at, like, this, or the Cathedral of the Madeleine, or, like, the National Cathedral in D.C. Any, yeah, any religious, any kind old of re- religious structure, especially. Yeah, um, the Masonic temples, you really should look close. Look beyond just the building as a grand thing, and look a little bit closer into th- into what's in there, because... Once you start doing that, especially with like Temple Square, you're going to see a whole bunch of shit that, that like you wouldn't even notice just in passing glances. So so this this always strikes me as something funny, because when I was growing up, um, Mormon kids used to tease me and say, you worship, you know, uh, the cross or you 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 worship these statues and things. And as I got older, I realized, dude, you have so many symbols and things where is that coming from? Because (laughs) there are literally like there are symbols on the clothing that they wear. So I'll, I'll say this and then we'll, we'll pass it on because it's a whole different discussion for a different day. The vast majority of the symbols on the garments on the temple are taken directly from the Masonic order, the Masonic Mm -hmm. lodge, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young all became Masons. Joseph Smith was a, whatever the top level Mason was, uh, the grand Pumbaa Mason, the way the church has always described it is the Masons always had the symbols, but they didn't understand what they meant. So Mormonism <laughs> has them because they understand. Because they what know they better. And along those same lines, just so. so we're not bashing the Mormons, if you look at the Knights of Columbus oh, it's all the and same you show. go into a Mason, it's all the same. They're, like the hats are the same, the, the outfits are the same, the symbols, like the, the, the Masons were basically plagiarized. Yep. So that being said, uh, the all-seeing eye. So if you if you look at each each of the big spires, the middle spires on each side, in the center of it, you will see uh, carved into the granite an eye, uh, and it's like a big circular, and it's got a depression, and then you see right. the eye, just like you see on the on the dollar bill. It's yeah, it's the the same all-seeing because eye. they were masons. Right. Uh, and keep in mind that all-seeing eye is on the center towers only, which says a lot to me because, remember, that's the president and the, the, bishop, the, presiding, the, the bishop. presiding bishop, which are the two power positions in the church. Um, and then you have, uh, of course, the angel Moroni statue. Yep. Um, and that's the angel uh, mentioned in Revelation, essentially, they think, and the second coming and all that crap. You can read about that stuff if you want. 
Um, uh, you get the beehive. Yep. Uh, which is on the Utah state seal. Does that make sense? That's Utah's, that's part of our state symbol. That's meaning beehives, bees work together. Yep. Worker bees, work bees. all that crap. But the beehive's really cool. That's down on the lower levels. Like, uh, the beehive is between, um, between the two towers. And there's also. They, they do realize that the head of a hive is the woman, is right? the woman. <laughs> also, most of the doorknobs have beehives on them. Mm-hmm. At least on the exterior of the yeah. building. Yeah. And I'm sure the interior has like Mormony shit. Like uh, Mormony shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, an image of the Big Dipper on the west side of the temple. Um, and that represents a priesthood. Uh, apparently in the North Star, I guess. Yeah, how the priesthood can help people find their way to heaven. There's the... Compass and Square. Compass and Square, yep. <laughs> That's a very Masonic temple. However, um, as a side note, it was real honest true Masons who built the lion's share of the right. temple. Like, like, not just Masons as in I work with stone, as in Masons. Like Masonic. Masonic people. Back then, back in that day, if you wanted something built, you went to the Masons. And the majority of them, think of the Masons as almost a guild or well, a union. If you think about it now, even the hierarchy of the world, like engineers are are, are up there, right? Like you need engineers right. to figure things out, just to sort well, out what we're doing. And ma- the Masons were essentially engineers. Well, and Engineers and architects, their primary symbol is the square. The square. The compass of the square. So, I mean, it, 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 yeah. Anyway. Uh, you have the collapsed hands, so... Um, Clasped. Whatever. Uh, the collapsed hands. Collapsed hands. <laughs> collapsed hands. <laughs> that has to do with the covenants and crap, and that is also on the center spires. Uh, so, basically, if you think of them as having, like, four stories, it's at the top of the first story. The all-seeing eye would be at the top of the second story. Mm-hmm. And it's, if you look at them, there's, like outcroppings and crap and they're right below those so yep uh there are clouds depicted uh on it also some you know move to uh revelation and and the veil uh and inside there's a curtain area where you get pulled through the veil i hear i don't know i'm not i'm not a yep, card someone, carrying re- someone reaches out and pulls you in not a card carrying mormon so i don't completely understand all the weird temple shit that they do but uh you want to you want to know why people think you're a cult do a bunch of shit that you don't want filmed and that you get really mad when people do film it. Wear some funny clothes. Wear funny clothes. And do it ban in private everyone. and don't let anyone see it. That's why people think you're a cult, a cult Mormons. Just so you know, that's why they think you're a cult. One of the biggest arguments my ex-husband and I used to always get into is he'd say, it's sacred. And I'd say, it's secret. And he'd say, no, it's sacred. And I'm like, you know that those words aren't interchangeable, right? Like, we have a lot of sacred things that's that we can sacred, tell people secret. about. The cross is sacred to Catholics. But guess what? But it's everybody knows secret. about it. Yeah, It's sacred, but I can't show you. The sacrament is sacred to Catholics, but they fucking give it to everyone. They like, don't give it to everyone. They give it to most people that are Christian. <laughs> if you go up, you have to. If you go Catholic. up and you go like this, they'll put it in your fucking it's, hand. It's true. Well, and you're, yeah. people can't see me holding my hands out. Yeah. And it's a, it's a any Christian they'll do that for, not just Catholic. No, anything. it's not any Christian. Whatever, I'm a better Christian. You have to be Catholic or you have to be Orthodox Catholic. But they don't ask. No, nope. they don't. Ask. You don't have to. You can just hold your hands out. You're supposed to. Be. If you want to go through the veil, you got to have your temple card. You, you got to have your special the, nightgown. The, the, you can fake it for the Catholics because we pretty much don't have any more secrets. Um, but you can't fake it for the Mormons because you have to have the special Secret little card. Secrets. <laughs> they check it. They check your name. And they're like, no, you're not on the list, buddy. It's like the party list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's uh, the lower buttresses have earth stones. 
Um, and those have to do with the Christ and making his own planet, and we're just a planet of some god. Uh, there's uh, depictions of Saturn uh, around the temple. Uh, there are the spires. We already talked about those mm-hmm. and how they represent the priesthood stuff. And then there are sun, moon, and stars um, uh, around, which is celestial, ter- terrestrial, and terrestrial. Uh, the kingdoms, essentially. So the three kingdoms of heaven, the three too. Three levels yeah. of heaven. And so, and you see those kind of throughout. But you kind of, I mean, th- this is the thing. If you just look at the granite and you look at the exterior and even the interior, you're going to see those sorts of things, which is really I mean, we cool. make fun because it's, it is culty, but it's really cool. It's fucking it's really It's amazing cool. how it was designed. As far as the architecture goes, it's amazing. And to be, and to think of when it was built and how it was built and what it was not built with. <laughs> It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's very it's neo gothic in design, um, and so you know, you guys were talking about uh, the, those iconic buildings. One of the other ones that strikes me in Salt Lake Valley is um, is it? It's not the Matheson Courthouse. It's the other one that's across. Oh, the, the original, the original courthouse, courthouse, uh, whatever. Library it's in Library Square. Yeah, uh, the one across the street from the library mm-hmm. now, yeah. and it's built with a lot of the same sandstone. Yeah, very similar Gothic style architecture. It's red though. Um, yeah, so it's it's very similar to the cathedral. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of the same beautiful building architecture as the cathedral. It's 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 closer in in architecture the to the cathedral. Age. I think it's about the same age as the cathedral. Too. So a couple things. One I knew about. One I didn't realize. There's been two bombings at the temple. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So the first one was actually April tenth, nineteen ten, at the hotel Utah. That was mm. the the hotel Utah had an explosion, damaged the temple. And it, yeah, the shock waves it had it had issues with the temple, and then the second one was in 1962. This one I knew about, where someone actually strapped a bomb to the front door, and it, because it was after that that they closed it off, and you could not even get to it. But then they reopened it whenever they did the big expansion, early 2000s, yeah. to where you could actually walk up to it again. But in 1962, that was what did it when they put that fence around, and you couldn't even get up to it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they somebody strapped a, a bomb to the door. And it exploded, and, and there's lots of security walking around the temple grounds at any yeah, given time. Yeah, you can't you so. can't get away with much on the temple. They don't grounds. let they don't let you kiss your your partner there if you're gay. Um, I heard something about hats. That I don't know. You're not supposed to. I don't, I don't know. It's so uh, 1999. The Salt Lake City tornado. Yeah, did some little bit of damage. Some damage, I think, windows and yeah. some minor. Same, same stuff. thing it did everywhere. We had a tornado. Everyone thought it was crazy. It did. But what? So so as we spoke briefly earlier, they they started a. Big, big renovation. Four-year renovation. Yeah. Last year, and what it was supposed to be a seismic renovation, but what tipped it over was last year, uh, March 18th, when we had the magnitude the earthquake. 5.7 earthquake. That did enough to some of that original foundation that they said, uh-uh, this, is, this can't be just a basic seismic upgrade. So they're doing now what they've done to other temples in the past. They're doing serious. They're like, basically tearing it back down to just the outside walls. And rebuilding it from the inside out with the steel frame structure. So yeah. that's what they did. So like if you if you are in the Salt Lake area now and you drive up forty seventh south and go just west of I two fifteen, you'll see a giant fucking steel skeleton. That's the Taylorsville Temple that they're building. Uh, and that's what they're gonna do the yeah, So basically uh and this is what they did with uh, one in Provo, the Provo Tabernacle when they rebuilt it and turned it into a temple. And then the Logan Temple, when they redid it, I think the Manti, uh, basically they tear out the entire inside and only leave the exterior walls. Then they rebuild it with a steel and force shell. So, so the exterior and the interior are independent of each other. 
Yeah. So the exterior is all facade at that point, basically. Yeah. It's like a veneer. And yeah. and so do they keep all the original like rooms and stuff? Are they going to keep like the, the totally they've, 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 they've kept some of the original artwork yeah, and the some artwork, of the original pieces and stuff. But they're totally repurposing the rooms because uh, Salt Lake has always been live, meaning you go from room to room to room to do all of the things, whereas all the other temples, you stay in one room for the whole thing. So they're revising that, and then that way their capacity goes way up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think of it as a ride at Disneyland. If, you, if there's only one ride, everybody's got to wait in line, but if you can take that one ride and run it 12 times an hour, your output is significantly well, better. Well, and it's... Uh, the, way, the way you're talking about a church like that cracks me up, because when I got married in, in the cathedral, like... You, ha- you first of all, you have to book it forever out, like forever. Oh yeah, it's the same way. I and mean, and they only do three events a day. Like oh, yeah. well, so, it could that. be a ma- it could be the regular mass. But like my deacon said, okay, this is when your wedding is. But keep in mind, if you are late, you could run into the funeral procession <laughs> on the way back up the aisle because we had we had to keep this thing moving. And they only do like three three to four things a day in the cathedral. So it is worth mentioning there are other parts to Temple Square besides just the oh, temple yeah. that are worth mentioning as we're talking about really cool architecture. Like I don't give a shit about the visitor center. Uh, it's a visitor <laughs> center. Well, tore it down anyway. <clears throat> yeah. You would have been able to see Space Jesus. Hopefully they'll let you see Space Jesus. Maybe in they'll the bring him back. Selfies I hope with so. Space Jesus. Well, they got it. I'm sure the statue is still around. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sure they're keeping but that. But they might not put the space behind him uh, anymore. They need the space behind him. That's The Space Jesus is really the best. <laughs> the, the planets. Like, in the, the like cool celestial like background. Think like like when you go into Caesar's Palace and you look up yeah. and you see like the clouds. Like Jesus was like that, but in outer space in the temple. Or put like, like a put like center. a big Jesus like they have in in oh was it where is it? the big oh uh, the one on the Rio mountain de side. yeah oh yeah I think like, Rio like, de Janeiro the, the Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> um, but they have so the the tabernacle uh, is a really yeah. cool architectural so, that, so that's the one that we've talked about before that's that the, the, boat one. the architect okay. was a ship architect and, and so he built it like a boat so when they came to him and said we need to design he's like I know how to do boats and they said well get creative so if you look at it it's an upside down boat I mean. But that's, it's a really cool building. It is cool. Um, uh, the acoustics are fantastic inside. Well, and that's the one thing. That's why the, the Tabernacle Choir was there forever and ever. And they, they didn't use, well, obviously when it was built, they didn't use microphones that didn't exist, but they never had to. And the speaker could speak without microphones because the acoustic were so well designed, well designed yeah. that anybody could hear the speaker without microphones. Yeah, so be careful what you whisper when you're in the center. That's right, yeah. Uh, and then the, the other side of the Temple Square, you have now the new reflecting pool, which is absolutely stunning. If you've ever, cool. if you've never seen it, it's, it's really something. It's, it's very reminiscent of the National Mall in DC. Yep. Our, um, we had, we had need of a lawyer that's in one of the City Creek buildings and one, their, some of their conference rooms overlook Oh, the pool. The, yeah. Just the square and all of that stuff. Cool. And you can see like the lion house. and So then uh, the assembly building is the other building. Yeah. And the assembly building was built during the time that the temple was being built because they needed a place to meet. So that's when it was built. So it's... It's it's older than the temple. It's actually older than the temple. And and it's not nearly as fancy, obviously, but it still has some pretty cool architecture. And it, it's a cool building, architecturally speaking. So... 
the temple, I mean, it's a, it's a very historically significant thing in Utah. It is something that a lot of our guests have said, go see it. And, and honestly, it brings somewhere to the neighborhood of like a half million people to the state a year, right? Uh, to come see I'm specifically it's not to more, come. Honestly, well, I mean, you've seen one temple, you've seen them all. That's not true. <laughs> so I'm curious. I'm curious with the renovations, how busy this temple is going to be um, with the with the changes because there's in the valley there's what like probably 12 fucking temples now. And so, so there's, there's the South Jordan and the Riverton temples, which are basically the same spot. They're there's like, the Harriman temple. Harriman. The, does the Bountiful temple count as the Valley? It's pretty close. It's like five minutes from downtown. So um, we've got now Taylorsville being built. So that's, that's, if you don't count Bountiful, once Taylorville's, Taylorsville's up, that's four other temples in this. Well, valley. just in walking in our neighborhood, if you come up around the top by this other park that's uh, behind us and you start to walk down at night, you can actually th- see three temples. Oh, then there's the Jordan River. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jordan. So we can see Jordan River. We can see the one on the side of the mountain. I guess that's Timpanogos. No, Timpanogos. That's. Okay. So it's, it's, it's another one. We can see three from our. Walking down, and I don't know which three they are. I know for sure one of them's here. Maybe. Maybe it's Draper, Harriman, and anyway, we can see three. Yeah, from the right spot. So if you go up, like, uh, up on the, up on the bench. Okay, so there is, there is Salt Lake Temple, obviously, which we've been talking about. There's a new Taylorsville Temple going up. Jordan River. Uh, Ochre Mountain Temple. Oh, I bet it's the Ochre oh, Mountain. The, uh, the 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 Ochre Mountain one is the one that's out in like Harriman and Riverton. Yeah, that's the uh, one. Yeah. And then there's the Draper Temple. Yep. So five. So there's five within then, Salt Lake Valley, and then Tooele Valley has one. And, and if you're, I would count Bountiful. Like it's so, it, it's it's just as fast to get to the Bountiful Temple as is to get to the. If you're yeah. up there at the point of the mountain on a clear day, and you can see both sides. You can see all of those, plus you can see all of the Utah County ones. Yeah, so in Utah there's County, a million in there's Utah Saratoga counties. Springs, there's Linden, there's Orem, there's Mount Timpanogos, there's Provo, <laughs> there's Provo City Center, and there's Payson, which you probably won't be able to see Payson from there. Yeah, probably. But on that ridge, you can probably see all of the temples to Provo, to the Provo City Center Temple. Yeah, on a clear day up there on the top, on both sides. sides. Well, and and if if anybody out there is wondering, if anybody doesn't know why, so... The Mormon buildings that you see around as churches, they hold their services in them, but they don't do anything else. They're not allowed to do any much else in them. All of the ceremonies and stuff that they do are all held in the. You can't get all sealed really, outside yeah, all, of the temple. All their really sacred stuff is done in. So temples. where other people use their church for everything, their, their the temple like activities that I was describing earlier, that all goes on in a temple. Uh, but regular church services, gatherings, and stuff they like don't that. actually hold regular church services in their temples. Nope, nope. It's only for it's ordinances. only for special ceremonies, sacraments. It's we for, call them sacraments. It's where you wear your special clothes. Yep. It's where you wear your nightgowns. It's where you get fancy. Get fancy with your white nighties. <laughs> They're pretty uh, ugly. The outfit's pretty, pretty not, not and, fancy. And, and you can look them up if you want. There's videos out on YouTube. So, uh, okay. So we're going to talk about uh, time to switch gears. We're going to switch to a different religion, full of symbols that I think is equally just as silly, uh, and that's the Catholic religion. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the Cathedral of the Madeline, which is just down the road from Temple Square. I um, think it's I think it's just as beautiful too. So it's now, much 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 smaller. When I talked about them being built together, you're right; they weren't built right together. But they weren't a lot even of the, built in the same century, Jeremy. <laughs> a lot of the masons who worked on the 
the Mormon fin- temple, worked, the finishing of the Mormon worked temple, worked on the cathedral temple, uh, cathedral. Um, I promise you, the dudes that started at no, the forty-year mark were not dead. working on the Madeline. Um, a lot of the sandstone was sandstone from the same quarries, and then a lot of the granite used in the cathedral uh, were, were used the same. So it's a lot of the same building materials as the temple, yeah. and a lot of the same people helped with both. So the land for the cathedral was purchased uh, for $35,000 back in the day. Uh, and that was purchased by um, not Joseph Glass, who was the first bishop. Scanlon. It was Scanlon. Father Bishop's Scanlon. Bishop Scanlon. Who was Bishop Scanlon. Father at the time. Father at the time, who became the first bishop of, of the Utah Diocese. Once the cathedral was done, because in order to have a bishop, you have to have a cathedral. Right. So he paid $35,000 for the land, and then they they spent in total $344,000 on the build. Uh, in contrast, the Mormon temple was $3.5 million. Yeah. Well... You know, In contrast, it's like an nine, eighth of the size. Also, nine years versus forty versus forty. So we're was, clearly, we're way more efficient. On a fast track. It, it was finished in nineteen oh nine. Also, well, let's put it this way too. Um, at that point, the Catholic Church had far surpassing funds than yes. the Mormon Church. And you did. know what the driving factor was? I was reading about it, and it seemed to me like the driving factor for the the building of the temple or the the cathedral was the number of Catholics in Salt Lake Valley, which at the time was roughly ten thousand. Which you think, wow, that's a small number, but that's a really big number in a state that is all well, Mormon. Well, to be clear, the Catholics were here before the Mormons. Yeah, so they discovered Utah. So let's back up slightly from the Native in seventeen seventy six. Just a little bit <laughs> back when America became a baby. Yeah, two uh, two. Uh, Catholic missionaries. Dominic, I think they were D- Dominican. Francisco. Uh, Franciscan. Franciscan. Atanasio. I'm just sure I killed that, but Dominguez. And Francisco Sylvester Valdez del Escalante. Valdez Escalante, yeah. Um, Which is where you hear what Escalante comes from. Right. So Escalante Forest. Yeah. Is all, and, and then a number of places in Utah were named after after the Catholics, uh, San Juan, right. San Juan County, right. Santa Clara, yep, the city. Most of the most of the Spanish stuff because they were Franciscan and anyway they came here as missionaries. They were doing missionary work, working. They were actually working with the indigenous people. <laughs> Not just when them. the Mormons came in and decided you suck and we're taking this over because this right. is our promised land. So Virgin River and Monte Cristo, all places landmarks here in Utah that were named after him. Great. It's, it says that their, their their mission was to find a route from Santa Fe to Monterey and to help promote Christianity amongst the Indians. Yeah, not I'm not saying that they weren't trying to convert them. No, no. But they weren't they trying, trying, to, kill trying to kill them. They also weren't trying to just take their land. Right, right. right. They, they really were doing actual missionary work. So, like, I think when Mormons think of missionaries, it's it's like a conversion thing. But true missionary work is going out life. serving the people. Well, and a of, true missionary, it's your whole life. It's right. not for two years. It's you're a missionary. And, and, and you're serving the people of the area, not necessarily. I mean, ultimately, you hope that they convert, but you serve. So you're it's usually not your whole life. So they had the missions and they've always. So there's been a mission in Salt Lake before it was even Salt Lake. Uh and the when first, it was still Mexico. The first Catholic priests came with the troops to Camp Floyd. So the first actual priests came with the army um, in 18, 1850s. And those would be Dominican, I believe, instead of Franciscan, because Franciscan is the more missionary side of the Catholic Church, and then the Dominicans, I believe, are the all, all the priests that you normally see in like the black and white stuff. 
And then also in 1866, Reverend Edward Kelly actually went to Brigham Young to help to settle the dispute over the land that they had bought uh, for the cathedral site and for the first church site. And Brigham Young was actually decent and helped him out, probably because he was white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because the church had a lot of money. So, yeah, so in 1871... Uh, the first Catholic church was dedicated, and it was just a couple of blocks of where the Cathedral of the Madeline sits now. In fact, I think it's being used as a cathedral for the Episcopals. I can't remember. That original one? The Episcopalians? We, when the girls were first starting out in school and stuff, we did like a little pig- pilgrimage from there to to the cathedral. So anyway... So then in 1875, and then, so we're almost caught up to, to, the, to the history. 1875, Reverend Lawrence... Scanlon. Scanlon. Scanlon arrived from Ireland. He was an Irish priest. Uh, and at the time, there were 710 Catholics. So in 1875, 710 Catholics living in Salt Lake. And then he was named bishop in 1886. And he went on to found parishes in Ogden Park City, Silver Reef, and Eureka. And then the Holy Cross Sisters founded the Holy Cross Hospital. Yep. Uh, so now we... So slip into now is when we're, yeah. So Scanlon buys the land. They build the they they build the cathedral, which a lot of people don't know. This originally named uh, uh, the Cathedral of Saint Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't until uh, Bishop uh, Joseph Glass, who was the second bishop of the Salt Lake Diocese or the Utah Diocese, uh, took over that it got renamed, um, and that's because he liked French shit. And basically, the Cathedral of the Madeline. Um, it's dis- it distinguishes Salt Lake because it is the only yep. uh, cathedral in all of Catholicism yep. named after Mary Magdalene. Yeah, and and it's it's got the choir school attached to it, which is the School Madeline. of the Madeline. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the choir school. And if you've if you've read the book The Da Vinci Code, and even if you haven't read it, and you looked on the cover, the cathedral on it is the Cathedral of the Madeline. That's the one they use for the picture. Because it's cool. For uh, the Da Vinci Code book series. Which is really cool. Uh, also, Bishop Scanlon died not too long after the the cathedral was finished. It was con- finished in 1909. He dies in He 19. died in 1915, and he's buried in the cathedral. Yes. Which, by the way, little known fact about cathedrals, the Mormon temples aren't this way, but cathedrals are, almost all cathedrals are also... Um, uh, what's the word? It's not Mark. Uh, it's catacombs? A, no, ma- they have catacombs. But it's... Uh, mausoleums. Yes, thank you. Mausoleums. Most of them are mausoleums. Like, if you go to uh, the the National Cathedral, which is actually a non-denominational cathedral, there's a whole bunch of fucking people buried in that I think thing. lots of people know that that's what it is. Yeah. I, I just think the Mormons just didn't do that for whatever... Yeah, so so the cathedral of the of the Madeline has I don't know if anyone other than Bishop Scanlon is in there. I don't know either. As far um, as the history, I looked up he's the only one... Yeah, and it is, it's weird. So obviously the, the history of the LDS temple, there's tons. There's so much from Mormon history to other history. There's tons and tons and tons of history on the temple of, of, of the Mormon temple in Salt Lake. The Cathedral of the Madeline has a fair amount, but it's all pretty much the same. Well, because it's in, in retrospect for as many Catholic cathedrals as there are, it's, it's small. It's small. It's it's unassuming. It's it's fairly new. Like there's not a like we're ta- we're ta- we were just talking about temples being built just here in Utah. There's not a whole lot of Catholic cathedrals going up because you only need one cathedral per diocese. So once it's built, it's built. That's it. That's all you need. Because there's not twenty other temples, right? In the because area. everything that can be done 
in the everything that's done in a cathedral is also done in every single parish because it's church. just another church it's just a the only nicer, it's, bigger church. it and it's 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 where the bishop, bishop for the the head of that particular diocese is and so there are a few things that are done there and i think that they could be like in an emergency be done somewhere else but like um, every church has sacred oils that are used throughout the year and they're kept in, in special jars. When those are blessed, they all get done, um, at the cathedral by the bishop. Um, but the bishop could travel to these other places to do it. I, I, I yeah, think so, but they the usually do them, place. they usually do them in bulk. You know how you were talking about like trying to get the marriages and the other things right, through. Right, right. So like what they usually do is they bless the oils in it's bulk like and then, food. yeah, and then, it's then like each, each each parish priest comes in with the vessels that they use for the the oils, and they fill up the, their parish's oils for the year because, just like regular oil, like it goes bad, so mm-hmm. they they can't they can't keep it for very long. So I I don't know that there's anything else that's really done at the cathedral that can't be done anywhere else. And unlike the temple that we were just talking about, you can also get married, like I talked about. You can you can have a funeral because the the cathedral is that area's parish church. You can't have you can't have funerals in a Mormon temple. So, right. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you can't do those things in the temple, but you can do all of those things in the cathedral I, because it might be the cathedral, but it's also like the people that live in the avenues. It's just their church. church. It's right. just where they that's go just to where church. They go to church. Yeah. Right. It's just where they get up in the morning and head off on Sundays. Um, so uh, one thing that was really cool about the cathedral um, is it was consecrated. So it was finished in 1909, but it was actually consecrated in 1936 as they finished paying off the debt. So in the middle of the Great Depression, the Catholic Church is able to pay off the debt that is outstanding on this cathedral. So some more kind of interesting things about the design and building. Um, the original building was pretty plain Jane. It wasn't until 1915. Uh, when Joseph Glass, who became, was he the second bishop? Yeah, he was the second. That was after, so Scanlon dies in 1915, and Glass so gets made the bishop. Becomes bishop. So he's the one who actually refined the inside and turned it into what most of, the, most people think of today who have yeah. been in it. So the outside is very Romanesque in architecture and- And the inside is very Gothic. Yeah, very, very, most people wouldn't know the difference. Well, and, think, and it's actually been restored, the inside, and, and, changed quite a bit um yeah, from the way that it times. used to be the most recent big huge restoration is it early 90s 91 yeah yeah it happened right before i got married 9.7 million dollar restoration and they they went through and they clean because so in the in the catholic church there's a lot of incense and candles and so if you think about it when this was built there weren't any there's not well, a lot of cleaning. Yeah. There's not a like, lot of good ventilation. No, so no. And so you've got like every single, you know, time that they're using incense, they've got candles burning everywhere. It's all just going up and it's just landing Soot on the walls. It's just getting covered. So everywhere. they cleaned everything. So everything came out brighter, more beautiful. They cleaned all the stained glass. That's another thing that you don't really see in the Mormon architecture that you see in almost all other kinds of cathedrals and that you see in this in this cathedral is beautiful stained glass. Which so, the Salt Lake Temple has some. Yeah. But not, not, no. not but I mean, that's, that's pretty much a center. Right. Like much of the structure is, is centered around the glass. There's, there's usually not any actual windows. Right. So Bishop Glass brings Theodore Combs and any of you architect nerds will know who that is. He was one of the leading American architects in, in the ni- early 1900s. So he hires him to come out 
and redesign the inside. And so that's when they put up the murals. That's when they do the paintings. That's when they put in those cool columns that are in there. All of that kind of stuff w- was put in. And then, um, it was, there was a big revision in the eighties, but that was mostly a, a, a serious cleanup. Uh, where they went through and they touched up murals and all that kind of stuff. But 1991 and 19 to 1993 was the, was the biggest renovation that was done to it. Uh, and then that one, I think they moved the pulpit to a more central location. Well, so it, it's actually up on the side. <clears throat> so it's called a, oh gosh, cause we just talked about it. But anyway, it, it's actually, you actually walk up a, a small spiral staircase. I mean, it's not, quite enough to be spiral but it's rounded staircase to stand and that's where um the lector the lectern that's where the lector speaks from um the altar is what's in the center but like oh, yeah. they they changed uh like the, the sacristy and all of that stuff where the liturgical yeah that's the term they they keep so in the catholic church um once the host is blessed it, it, it remains, it's, it's been turned into the body of Christ. And so it remains the body of Christ. And so we don't just let the kids ball it into a, a big ball and eat, eat it, it like the yeah. Mormons do. Cause it's hard crackers. Uh, it, well, that's not why, but you it's whip con- out some squeezy cheese, it, it, but it's considered the body of Christ. And so it's all saved. And so they, they put it in special containers and they put it in what we call a tabernacle, which is a, a special case that in, that holds it and then the next mass they actually try and use that so it doesn't go stale because like i guess it's tacky to have well because the body of christ, of christ is actually going to decompose and you don't want to eat rotting flesh That's well christ. so other things that they have to that it they is have really to, chewy after they bless it <laughs> the only thing that you, the the other thing that they have to incorporate into these designs are french drains so to after the blood of Christ is blessed and and the wine is is turned into the the blood of Christ, you either have to consume it or you have to pour it back to the earth. I so say ev- last person just that's usually what happens. M- most of us just drink it, um, <laughs> but sometimes there's a lot or or you know they bless a lot for a big expected big mass and then you know some snowstorm comes in and ten people show up and they've got like five gallons of wine or whatever but anyway there's a french drain in every single church everywhere that's why priests are all alcoholics (laughs) they're all alcoholics because they train in in schools that are so far away the only thing the only entertainment is drinking literally but um they don't get to have sex so yeah Anyway, so they all have a French drain and it's a locked sink that nothing else goes down. And so what happens is when you are washing out these vessels, uh, you put them down the French drain and it pours into the earth and goes back to the earth, which I think is kind of cool. Why don't you just chuck it out the window? Just throw it out. Same thing. Throw it out into the garden. I mean, honestly, you probably could, but it's that, you know, you don't want to tread on it or anything like that. So So Uh, the other thing with the big change was the change. The centrality of the bishop's chair. They also provided a separate blessing and sacrament chapel, and they added uh, a larger baptismal font. Yeah. Yes, the bapt and they they sunk it, so it was above ground. And now it's down. So and those were the yeah. really in, in its it's all of its time. Those were the only significant. But changes. there's so there's some really cool stuff about the cathedral, and probably the coolest thing is that we actually have. Oh yeah, um, a relic. You uh, have to have a relic. Yeah, but this is a really special relic, uh, and not very many cathedrals get these. Uh, but this, we actually have slivers of what what is purported to be the cross that Christ was hung on. 
So we have two slivers of wood that the that the Vatican has said, yeah, this is actually from the cross, uh, and they are at the Cathedral of the Madeline. They come out every year on Good Friday, uh, and you get to see them. But they're and it was they're Bishop Glass who was able to gather those from from all of the reading. He sounds like he was. He did a lot. He was a go-getter. The go-getter. He was the one that really... There have been... He was the one that went to business school. That's right. (laughs) So there have been nine total bishops. Uh, I think that's still the count, because I think the current one is the ninth one. Yeah. uh, To to sit in that seat. Um, So... The first mass in English was in 1965. Yeah, I saw that. So up to 1965, it was mass in Latin. Full on Latin. Latin. Yep, all Latin. So, And now they're oftentimes, depending on where you go... There's usually in in Salt Lake in particular, about half of them are Hispanic, right? Or, or um, and still, when they do a high mass, they have a bunch of priests, and so it can be done in a ton of different languages, and they'll just do different parts of it in in very many different languages. It's all uh, one continuous thing, and they just say the, different parts. The stained glass windows. There are 258 angels amongst all the stained glass. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's a lot of angels. Fuck you, Moroni. Look at all these other angels. <laughs> well, well, that's our actually Gabriel, have, right? Our this angels, is actually Gabriel. Our angels have wings. Mormons don't believe that angels have wings. Yeah. Gabriel's got them under that So the other, the other cool thing about the cathedral that's not actually part of the cathedral is the bishop actually lives there. So there's a building just to the side of it. And if there's like meet, there's like a couple meeting rooms and things like that, but the bishop actually lives there. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. At least I and think. And then it's the, cool. the choir, they were saying that the, the Madeline School Choir. So the school is just behind it into the, a block to the west. Um, and so the kids who go to the Madeline Choir School, so every Catholic school has, um, a church in it. The Madeline Choir School does not have a church in it. They just walk over to the cathedral. So it says that it's one of the only choirs in the nation that has mixed religions. So they have mm-hmm. Catholics, uh, Jewish, Episcopal, and LDS children that all sing in it, which is unique yep. for a, for a uh, choir, for a uh, children's choir of this, of this state. And we should mention the way the cathedral is built. Uh, the acoustics are interesting. Uh, so the, it's not like the, it's not like the temple temp- stuff where you send, you stand in one central place and everybody hears you. So, and Jeremy, you didn't mention this, but as part of the renovation in 1992 is when they added the organ. Right. Oh, that's right. And so the organ, the organ is one of the really defining features, I it's think, really of the cathedral cool. now. And in 1992, they, it's an English style organ. It's got 4,066 pipes. Uh, and that's, that's what's used to do. And if you go and stand up at the altar and look back toward the entrance, you, and you look up, you can see the, the all entire the organ, work, all the pipe work, like this is like up into the, and, and we've talked, I think we've talked about this before on the show, but, um, where the choir would sing and where the organ is because of the way the acoustics are. You don't hear it at the same time. So you have to learn how to sing in the cathedral, Offset of the organ so that it sounds so right. The current organist for the cathedral is my mom's Mormon neighbor. <laughs> I believe funny. it. I believe it. Because unlike asking for volunteers, they actually pay a professional. <laughs> they do. Yeah. yeah. Our, our church pays everybody, including the priests. The priests they, get, they get paid, paid. Which is why if you have like relationship questions, 
I would be much more comfortable going to a Catholic priest than well, I would. They actually a go Mormon to school bishop. for it. Yeah, that's part of their. <laughs> I mean, that's part of their training. The 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 Mormon bishop. Look, look. I don't want to bag on you, Mormons. You guys have figured out a way to do it. But Mormon bishops, they're not paid. Yeah, he just he might just be. He's a and, lawyer. And, he's and a they, contractor. They have, he's, he's a plumber. They have some. I doubt he's a plumber. Well, some plumbers are rich. So no. maybe if you like. No, bishops don't actually have day jobs. Right. That's what I've gathered. Is no, it's like, true. It, they don't really have day jobs. They're usually old, gross men. Um, eh, well, not the not the local ones. But but realistically, like they don't, they didn't learn how to counsel people properly. They got some bishop type training that is really sketchy. Well, it's anyway, like but, Father Rob, my favorite. Yeah, not a not he a went priest to anymore. School. Yeah. He went to a Catholic college. It, he studied and like it has a degree in that. He's a lawyer now. Oh, he's awesome. He, he went to BYU. Yeah. <laughs> well, he decided he didn't want to be a Catholic priest anymore. Didn't like what was going on, and I can't fault him for that. No, he still believes in the faith, but he said, "Yeah, I he's can't. still Catholic. He's practicing. He married his. He married someone, and they are they are practicing Catholics. But yeah, he he's like, I can't, I can't be a priest. I don't, I don't agree with what the church is doing, but I still believe in the faith, and so." Well, his his uh, his problems with the church more came from very localized stuff. Well, no, not really. I guess in within the church, Ray, within the priest, get, there's like a hierarchy. We like need to get him on the show. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be awesome. There's like there's <laughs> like um there's like bullies. Like there are people that think that they're better than everybody else. And Father Rob, who that's just how he'll always be. It'd be really hard for me to just call him Rob. He he was a a man of the world. Like he, he was a scientist. He, he studied science first. I believe in science. And he really did. And he's just, he's just this normal guy. And he'd walk around with like cigar burns in his clothes and stuff. Cause he's just this normal man. Um, and, and he, he ran afoul of what you talked about. Like there's a real alcoholism problem within the, the Catholic faith. I know I had cigars and whiskey with him and yep. he blessed me. <laughs> there you Necklaces. go. There you go. And he, uh, and, and so he became an alcoholic. He ran into some problems. He had some struggles. And because of that, a lot of the, the priesthood looked down on him. And he actually became very worried that as he aged, who was going to take care of him? Yeah, that he would end up, that he would end up like the guy that was, uh, Father Dennis. And I think Father, didn't Father Dennis just get shipped off to like somewhere? They they sent him back to Africa. He did a bunch of work there and he actually loved it there. He, he was very attuned to it. He's like, shop probably should be in a home like being taken care of. And they're like, okay, you can go off to Africa now and let the Africans deal with you. And, and Father Rob was like, like, what's going to happen to me? And, and I think he came to kind of a crossroads where it was like, what's more important to me being a priest and counseling these people or, like having a life like it's just like any other religion the the top of the religion like once you get into the the, the in the in the mormon church it's the bishopric and um, up but that's that's priests for catholics right catholics also have deacons and stuff like that that are i don't think the deacons are paid right no, there well they i think that they get a stipend but they're lay compensation people. but yeah they're, they're my, they my have jobs was a deacon yeah but and, and then the mormon church you know you know like the bishops and stuff but once you get at that level it is like it's like any other business. It's like a corporate business, right? You have to play the game yep. and you will get promoted to different levels. Yep. Like you don't become a bishop or a cardinal without playing that game. And that's the same thing in the Mormon well, church. And like you start as a bishop and then you become a, a state, state president, president and then you become an area president and then you become a member of the 
seventies, and then you maybe form of the seventy. So yes, the whole so, point is, and it's it's basically the same. Yeah. And there is a, a hierarchy, and you have to play the game to get there. And you better believe you have to position yourself. And he was just not that way. I mean, he did a lot for our parish. He, we talked about stained glass windows. Um, our parish was built very modern, and he brought stained glass windows in, and he brought pews back in, and and made it and made it really feel more like a church. He did a lot, but um, the. The culture of this area is very, very Hispanic, and he's very, very not Hispanic. And he, they wanted someone more traditional. They didn't like. I remember whoever came after him because I'd been to a couple of Father Rob's uh, masses. Sir, masses, but then I went to a couple with the. And it was I can't like, think of his name either. I, I, he's part of the reason why I stopped going to church because so, he let people kiss his damn ring, and, and I, <laughs> no. Anyway, so, so yeah, I was gonna say let's let's. Uh, it's probably a good place to end. <laughs> bagging on local Catholic Church because we wanted to focus well, we on had the to, cathedral. We had to bag on the Mormons for a minute, so we got to bag on the Catholics. Too. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to bag on any religion, but I think... Uh... <laughs> but the, I mean, if, if we get back to what we were talking about, the architecture for both... Of both buildings is amazing. They're both examples of Gothic... But in very different heavy, ways. Heavy, heavy gothic. But they are both uh, heavy ga- we, gothic. The cathedral actually even has gargoyles. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the architecture both is amazing, the way they built both of them at the time that they built them. And keep in mind, we're talking 1800s. We're talking Wild Wild West, John Wayne. 1900. And, and they're building... 1900 for well, the cathedral. Wow. Yeah, but still... I know you still think they were built at the same time, but they're built in vastly different eras. 1840 to 1900 or 1850 to 1900 is very different. But what the what tools and just just the literal physical. Well, the cathedral got the advantage of everything that they learned how not to do it with the temple. They yeah. were able to Don't use, use sandstone in the foundation. Nope, you did that. <laughs> they did that. Because the cathedral also has a basement. Yeah, also the, the, the steps up to the cathedral was one of the oh, 90s. Oh, yeah, the add-ons in the 60s. The step yeah. and the covering over yeah. the front door. Yeah. Which and the is covering, actually handy when we're all standing out there for midnight mass and it The covering snowing. over the front door is to protect the sandstone. That's front. why they put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, really cool pieces of architecture. Um, go it, check them it, out. You can go see the cathedral, the Madeline. They're they're big you can parts. Go in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're big parts of 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 uh, Utah history. Um, you cannot go in the cathedral of the, uh, of the Madeline right now uh, because of COVID. Uh, they have limited access. Oh. They have restricted access. And actually, they need money. Um, I was like I'm on the website. They need a lot of money because they because services have had to be. Um, so cut back, they are lacking their normal because donations. people tie. So unlike, so the Mormon church, you send in a check or people walk around on sun, on a certain Sunday and they collect your, your money. Um, the Catholics just give money in a basket, like literally still put money in a basket. And they do some like drafts and stuff that yeah. you can set up. But for the most part, like especially the cathedral, the Madeline had a lot of people that just came in from neighborhoods or wherever and they were able to donate which would help it keep its maintenance and stuff. Well, and then so. they, they did a lot of their fundraisers and, and stuff that they weren't able to do with COVID. Right. They did correct different food drives and I yeah. don't know. So COVID's Auctions had a big impact and... on them. Not worried about the LDS temple. They're doing fine. They are one of the richest organizations in the world. Uh, the Catholics, on the other hand, not quite as rich. I know they have their own city, but that's a whole different thing. It's like a city, country, state thing. But uh, the, the individual parishes 
really live and die by individual donations in the local areas. So if you're feeling saucy, you want to go check out the cathedral and see it and then donate some money. I'm sure you could make an appointment to go visit. I mean, I'm sure you Yeah, I mean, they still do masses. They're still doing masses. They're just much more restrictive. And I think with COVID, a lot less people are going to things like that. And so... um I've been in the cathedral a handful of times. It's amazing. If you get a chance to go in there... It is it's truly an amazing, absolutely stunning inside architectural. Even just go walk around the outside and you'll see tons of beautiful stuff. So, uh, hopefully you like the show. Um, if not, I don't really care. I don't know why you listen for the whole hour and 45 <laughs> minutes we've been rambling. Um, but, uh, share it, please. That helps us more than anything. You can follow us out on social media. What are you doing? I'm trying to turn my microphone off and I'm pushing button. the wrong things. There we go. She's like putting it in the stand and then like trying to pull the plug out and all I can hear is the microphone. Because I was trying to put it back in the stand without making all those noises, but then I pushed the wrong button. <laughs> and you were noises. unsuccessful. <laughs> uh, follow us at TNU Podcast. Uh, thanks again to Folk Hogan for doing our intro and outro music. We, we really appreciate that. Uh, and um, go out to our website, thenewutah.com. I will eventually get Jeremy's post from last week and my post from this week up. Um, he sent it to me a little late and I've been busy. <laughs> so I'll yeah. get there. I'll Have get a there. good Halloween. Be safe. Watch out for razor blades. <sighs> what? No one puts razor blades in candy, man. No one does that. No one does that. And no one replaces fucking pixie sticks with methamphetamine. They don't want to waste the too, drugs. I was going to say it's too expensive. Look, the only reason you would put drugs in kids' candy is because you're a fucked up person and want to see what happens. But you don't get to and drugs aren't cheap and you're not going to waste your fucking drugs on candy. Plus, if you're a drug addict, you probably I'm, not. I'm pretty sure none of that ever Ever happened. No, no. They've they've actually talked about it that it's mostly like the like. Remember the crystal clear Pepsi with the syringe in it, and how that became a thing. And like suddenly there were like tons of cases, and like it was all people fucking putting syringes in their own fucking cans. It's like if you find a mouse in your beer, you get a free beer. eh? A mouse? What the fuck? (laughs)